This is season six of the Team Roping Journals podcast, The Score. With over two million downloads, this is where Team Ropers talk. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea Schaefer. Welcome to The Score. This episode is with Denny Gentry on the Riata Buckle and the Riata Buckle Bonus Earnings Program. This is a new program that the Riata Buckle rolled out in April that is allowing ropers to compete for an extra 100000 per division at the 2023 Riata Buckle in November. It's an event we'll be streaming on roping.com, of course. We've got last year's up there on roping.com now if you are interested in what's going on. Over in Riata Buckle Land, you can find out information that might not be in this podcast, or if you want to read the information, it is on riatabuckle.com. And this is, of course, the one and only Denny Gentry. He is the godfather, of course, of the sport of team roping, USTRC founder, uh, founder of the World Series of Team Roping, and now he has moved his talents over to the Riata Buckle. So we've checked in with Denny a few times throughout the launch of this program in the last year. And this will mark our big check-in of the year before the event happens. So it's early. You still have time to get your lots of Riata Buckle horses bought. You have time to breed to Riata Buckle stallions still, which, of course, you can find in the Breeder's Guide that's on TeamRopingJournal.com, as well as a full list at TheRiataBuckle.com. All of those stallions are available there. We're going to cover the earnings, the bonus earnings program. We're going to talk about what a stallion incentive really means, why the Riata Buckle is different than all of the futurity things that are happening, how this is affecting the market, what everyday ropers can do to get involved, and how this is going to affect everyday ropers because this is not just about the high-end futurity trainers. It's not just about the rich guys. There is a way into the Riata Buckle for just about everybody. So, Denny and I are going to chat through it right now. Hey, a quick note on this podcast. Uh, my microphone was a little wonky. I know my editor, Craig, is going to do a wonderful job making it sound uh, as clear as possible. If it's a little echoey, I am deeply sorry. Hang in there with me. Uh, we will get that all figured out for the next episode. But uh, it's not my favorite audio, but it's not that bad either. So hope you all still hang in and listen to it. Thank you. Mr. Gentry, it has been a year and six or seven months since you announced Riata and we talked on this podcast. Give me the rundown. How are you feeling things are going? Oh, I think we're doing, I think we're doing well. I mean, we're having an impact and all over, you know, I mean, you see the sales every weekend and they're promoting the Riata horses and they're doing really, really well. And they just finished the uh, the uh, big heritage sale down in Abilene last weekend, and the top two were Riatas, and that's kind of how it's going all over. So, I you know I, I can't be unhappy with it, and, and uh, we've kicked up another half a million dollars for payoffs uh, this year, and hopefully, you know we we'll get enough money to go another half million. It'd be great if we could go from two to three, but you know realistically, we're just going to go ahead and try for the two. 2.5 for now. Do you feel like people are understanding the program at this point? More than they have. Um, it, it's a slow process. I mean, the rank and file team ropers are who we are targeting and they're coming on slowly. And, and, you know, we're sending out those flyers 
on our earnings program to everybody that wins at a World Series, US, NTR, NTRL. And that's causing the questions, what is this? What, you know, what's the bonus earnings program? Oh, I mean, and I think that's the way that they're going to do it by word of mouth because they're certainly not going to see a lot of our mailings. And, and when they read that in your magazine, most of the time they're looking at the paternity ads and they're looking, well, I, I don't play that game, so I'm not interested. So I think over time it's going to be word of mouth. Word of mouth is going to take us where we need to be. Yeah. What kind of questions are you getting when they call you? Because uh, you're getting calls all the time. Well, uh, you know, we announced that proxy program, and of course, for the guys that are in, they're calling about the proxy program, which is basically allowing them to substitute a horse at the rope, and if they have a nominated Riata Colt. But uh, the majority of the questions that we're getting right now are are just starting from scratch, exactly what we were doing a year ago. Tell me about the program. Tell me how this works. Tell me. So we we start from scratch every day. Mm-hmm. Did you start from scratch uh, in 2005 and 2006 and 2007? Yes, I, I pretended I knew what I was doing and I started from scratch. <laughs> was it the same? I mean, gosh, think like thinking 91, 92. No, no. How I, long did I, they... Back in the 90, 91, I didn't know anything then. You know, like, <laughs> I, it was, I was starting completely green and completely cold and, you know, and and to be real honest, um, we were about probably five minutes, ten minutes away from being the most dirty word in the cowboy world, you know, because we, we nearly lost a half million dollars all in one whack. I feel like that's a story that I've heard at breakfast before, but I want you to tell it. Well, I, I before I got into the roping business, I was going to the horse races a lot because I was still crippled up and trying to rehab and and I really enjoyed the horse races and I I enjoyed winning a race and I enjoyed going up there to the window and letting them put that money in my hand and so that's what I wanted for team ropers I wanted them to have two big deals I wanted to pay them in big payoffs and cash so I would go on these pre-entry ropings before we would have them I would go and order the cash from the bank take a briefcase in pick up five hundred six hundred thousand dollars of course, I had my gun in my belt, and then we we followed that um, theory, and uh, so about the second or third year, I had a briefcase with six hundred thousand dollars in it for the Desert Hills rope in there in Scottsdale, and uh, uh, Connie and I were staying at a hotel on Bell Road, and we pulled up and we started unloading everything into the room up on the second floor up there, and. Um, got everything in the room and, and uh, Connie wanted some ice, uh, get some ice and ice bucket. I opened the door up and that briefcase was sitting there with 600,000 on that deck. And I guess when I'd walked up there, I set that briefcase down right next to the door and put the key in and then was carrying stuff and didn't carry it inside. So if someone would have wandered along there and found that little briefcase of uh, 600,000, the story would still be going how that dirty crook made off with all of our money and and U.S. and World Series and Super Looper and all the others would not be would not be yeah. <laughs> spend a win in the team roping journal uh, right. would not be around either. Right. <laughs> uh, 
All right, back on topic. Give me, have you, you've been looking at the horse sales. We just said the Western Heritage so went really well. Any, what have the people been telling you that have been taking horses to sales? Um, they're, you know, that mid-level trainer is the one we're hearing from that I'm not talking the top end fraternity guys. I'm talking the, you know, there's some of these guys out there that are, that own 10 and 12 and 15 of these Riata horses and they're gearing up for it. I got a call from um, Steve Priscop this week and he's got the Leveland sale coming up this weekend. And they're setting up a whole section and preview on Riata horses only. And there are about three or four guys that, that, that are putting all of those horses in. So it's really starting to make an impact on what I call the, the uh, cowboy trainer. And mm-hmm. uh, those people that you know have been responsible for those 40,000 horses that are in use out there right now today. Yeah, so talk about the training side of it. What do you see the Riata program doing for that mid-level trainer? How do you think there are enough trainers to keep up with the demand right now? Um, you know, there's there's different levels of those trainers out there. I know that everyone, the, the stallion owners, normally, whether you're in an AQHA program or one of the top fraternity programs that are going on are wanting all those top guys training for them and rightfully so but the difference between those fraternity programs and a stallion incentive program which is what Riata is mm-hmm. is, is that we're going to have a good upper end fraternity for those top guys but our whole focus is going to be on that 99% that have handicap numbers that's where we've what we've done for 30 years that's what we will continue to do and when we get to that level um the top guys are not going to want want to put fours and fives on their top horses and vice versa those guys do not want to climb on those upper end horses so there's a, a a new need here in the middle for the ranch trainer, for the the you know the guys that normally train these horses, to go train their own, and and you know, 70 percent of these guys train their own horses just by repetition. Our job is to make sure that whatever they're training, whatever their level of training, they're on a riata. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I know Jim Brinkman said that they had you know, 200 babies that they registered with the Riata last year or that they enrolled with the Riata last year. And and those babies brought 500 to to $1,000 more each than non-Riata babies. So in bulk, that's impressive. And that means there's 200 training openings, you know, for for a Riata baby. And, they're, and at, through the sale, they go to their onesie twosies by purchase out and and that brings up the other question that i think you'll see over the long haul certainly those big operations like jim's operation are essential to getting these programs rolling but what's going to drive this program five six seven years from now now that you can have recipient mares and you can breed you don't have to own a stallion and you don't have to have a mare what's going to drive these programs are going to be 
a, a team roper's wife that wants a baby in her backyard and you're going to have these onesie twosies and what I want to see is 10 to 20,000 ropers all one cult. And you're doing your part in that department because your wife wanted a baby and you have a few. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to tell them what happens when you get one. <laughs> They'll figure that out on their own because there's a point at which you go, we've got too many. we got to cut back now. The goal is for ropers to be yeah. at your level, Denny. Yeah. You're very aspirational. <laughs> well, while people are waiting for uh, the weanlings, yearlings, two-year-olds, three-year-olds to get old enough to rope, what are you doing with the proxy program? Can you explain that a little bit? I well, a lot proxy of is just a substitute for... Uh, a guy wants to get in a rope in the roping now. I want to come up here and rope for two and a half million dollars in a rope and it pays a half million dollars. How do we get in it? Well, the only way you can get in is if you've got a nominated riata. Now, the problem is if you own a one, two-year-old, three-year-old, and they're not ready to go. Maybe your four-year-old's not ready to go, but we're only going to grant proxy on three-year-old and down. If you own one and you're nominated in there, we'll let you ride your regular rope. Now, the only hitch in that is, is that the guaranteed money on a team will only go to the, the Riata horse. And, okay. and to explain that, um, what we did last year, if they were on a non-Riata horse, the stallion owner of the Riata horse got the payment for both horses. The breeder got the payment for both horses. And in this case, with a proxy, if you one roper's on a proxy and one's not, the one on the Riata horse is going to get all of that guaranteed money. And the big question I'm getting is how does how do you calculate that? Well, the way we calculate it's real simple. If you have X number of teams at X number of dollars, uh, we will calculate a payoff on 100% payback, and here's what it would pay if it was just entry fees and just team count. And let's say in this particular rope, and the rope, and if it was just a straight team rope, and would at 100% payback would pay 20,000 to win, 10,000 a man. Well, if we've got guaranteed money in that of five or six hundred thousand, then let's say that rope and was going to pay a hundred thousand to win, but one horse is Riata and one is Proxy, then that guaranteed money that would have gone to the other Riata goes to the Riata horse. So instead of that 100000 being 50000 each, the guy on the Riata gets 90000 and the guy on the proxy horse gets 10000 And that's how we guarantee that all that guaranteed money that the stallion owners and the people that are paying nominations in go to Riata horses this year. 100% of it's going to the Riata horses this year. Today's episode is brought to you by ADM. ADM's Forage First Glow Feeds are ultra premium feeds for your equine partner. Each bag includes Grow Strong Minerals, Inside Tract, which is a unique supplement to optimize hind gut health, Butric Acid, Omega Flax, and Natural Source Vitamin E, allowing you to feed the best. Learn more at ADMEquine.com.
And so ropers, if you're bringing a partner with the Riata horse, that's on them to figure out how they're going to split it up, right? Yeah, they I want them to moan. We had <laughs> we only got 100% payback. That's what I want them to say. We went up you there and will. we only got 100% payback because then next year, you know, they'll be pushing to get those horses out, those backup horses ready to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, enrollments are starting to come in on foals, right? Right. Right, for the year. How does the enrollment process work, and what are the enrollment rules for somebody who is new? Team ropers are new to paying their horses into incentives. Uh, well, now, enrollment and nomination are two different things, and, and uh, if you're talking about the nominated horses, if they own a Riata, they yeah. can nominate that horse in and it, and basically when they pay that nomination fee that is a membership fee for the horse they all pay membership fees in their team roping association nomination fees nothing more than a membership fee for the horse yeah that's a really good way to put it if you explain it in team roper terms well tell me about the the earnings program because that's something that a roper can interact with every single weekend at the jackpot. Well, we don't, we're not going to put on qualification ropings for Riata, but what we are going to do is build uh, reward programs for those guys that are riding Riatas and they go to where they normally go to their world series, their U S their, their, uh, NTR. And if they win there each month, we send out a notice to everyone that won and say, if you're on a Riata, We've got a hundred thousand dollars in a ten rope and a hundred thousand in a twelve rope and in uh, Guthrie for you in November. Your horse is qualified. Now they may not be the one that rides that horse, but that horse is qualified to go up there, and that money's guaranteed. Now as that program begins to grow, we'll add more and more money to it. And there's another feature to that that we're not telling them. And once our horse sale gets going or our online sale gets going, each time they buy a horse at the Riata Buckle or at the online horse sale, those horses there are eligible to get into those bonus ropings. Oh. So there's two ways in. They can go win at their local jackpot, or if they buy directly through, one, through our sale, then that's our incentive program for the people that bought at our sale. But, okay, so help me help ropers understand why, from your perspective, does it matter that earnings are tracked on rope horses? Um, well, there's lots of reasons. I mean, obviously, the stallion owners, they're wanting to show uh, earnings record on their stallions. But for the individual ropers, besides these programs that are going to bring them cash directly, the value of, that they can create on their horses is going to equate to what they can sell them for when the time comes. It's just like, uh, I don't know how to, how to equate that to them, but it's money in the bank. You know, I mean, it's the horses had $100,000 won on him. Um, that, you're going to be able to sell that horse for a whole lot more money. And what these guys don't understand is how quickly that adds up because... When they get in the earnings program and notify us they want to go to our bonus program, everything they won 
at one of those ropes is counted to that stallion. I had uh, two two young men that won at the U.S. Finals the other day, and they won a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They got fifty thousand each on two horses. Now they're seventeen and fifteen years old, and they want that money on. I said, okay, just turn it in. Qualify the horse. We'll turn it in. Uh, Q data. Now whether you come and enter or not, those horses are going to be those earnings are going to be listed on those stallions. Well, that's not not chump change there when you go to talking about that much money going at one time off of one rope and by a couple of teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at those Q data leaderboards, I I like to refresh them and look at them every week when Robin updates them. The the roping earnings are changing every week as far as the top twenty studs because that makes a big difference when you put 50,000 here and 50,000 there. Well, and right. And like I've said this before, but in the early going, the fraternity programs, the other fraternity associations are going to dominate that with the upper number guys. And obviously from the rodeo uh, reports you're putting in there, there's a lot of cash going in there now on the upper end. But as Riata begins to take hold and more and more money is placed on handicapped ropers, it'll be just like it has always been, and they will begin to dominate those numbers and change those stallion numbers over time. And I'm hoping the sooner the better. Like this year, we'll, we'll stick at least a million dollars will be on handicapped horses. Yeah, because that's, that's 98% of the industry. That's, yeah. that's the... It'll be very interesting to see how these numbers change and what we learn about great horses and about great breeding programs in five years when we have five years worth of data. Well, and, and I think that, that what's going to become extremely clear um, is when you start tracking handicap ropers and you're tracking earnings on a horse from the time he's four years old till he's 20, versus a fraternity program that's tracking earnings on a four, five, six-year-old, and then they're on to the next batch of horses. That's great. They're bringing those young horses into the game. But there's going to be some of these old horses roping down in some high volume ropings where there's a lot of money. Finale in Vegas is, they give you an example, two and three million dollars in some of those ropings. Um, that year after year after year where you've got a guy making between five and 15,000 every year over and over again will really begin to add up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to give something you said earlier in the year is there are programs that have been fighting to get the attention and fighting to get what they deserve as far as the, the respect in the horse industry. And those are programs that put those kind of horses out and have for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And now we'll finally be able to put them top of the charts. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, give me a little bit of an insight of what what you have planned as far as the event coming in November. What are the big hits or big changes? I know we're excited about the Open. That's going to be another top five. Top three? Is top, that what we say? Top, it'll be a top three. Top three. Uh, we are going to give those year. guys another 
run, we're going to put a, a four-year-old incentive in there. So they can get in one time each head or heel, and they'll get a third entry on a four-year-old. And they'll be able to double dip that, but we'll add more money on there for the four-year-old. So if they're riding a four-year-old, they can double dip the whole pot, but they're going to get one more one more bullet for riding a four-year-old. A four-year-old on either end or on both ends? So they but can they, enter. They, they're going to be able to have a total of three entries. Three entries. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Why have you decided to do that? Uh, they requested that they wanted to, they wanted those four-year-olds, they want to be able to ride their four-year-old and their five-year-old both if they can. Now I'm not gonna, you know, I know they were lobbying heavy to have four runs and have a four-year-old on either end, but I'm afraid letting some of those guys have four runs when the others only have two would start getting a lot of squawking that way. <laughs> I don't know. Team rippers don't squawk. Oh hey, yeah. Come on. Sure they do. <laughs> Um, now, speaking of that, there are barrel racers who work on my staff, and they have been kind of churning the rumor mill about a Pink and Riata joint event. Is there any chance that that's going to happen? Yeah, we talked about that. You know, Zankanel is doing that where he's listing a million and a half, and they've got the money from the team roping and the money from the barrel racing and all in one event. I don't really want to mix the events, but Lance and I have talked about uh, getting, they, they are scheduled into the Lazy up there in October and we're in November and we're talking to those people now about getting two weekends in a row and blending those two together into a mega event, barrel racing and team roping both. And if that, right now, uh, uh, we're, I think they are bumping $4 million or 3.8 or 3.9 and we're 2.5, possibly 3. So by the time we get around to that in 2024, this is an 8 or $9 million event. And it goes on the map immediately and I think it'll be a, be a, it'll change both events considerably when they're, when they're kind of jointly brother and sister. Kind of approach there to it, but yeah, mm -hmm. that is something we've discussed, and we do want to do it. But uh, to say when it's it's all going to be a matter of scheduling. Gotcha. So twenty twenty four. Do you have any other secret plans that you haven't shared for twenty twenty four? Well, you know, when we're making this shift over to the stallion incentive versus futurity, um, last year to get. The pump primed. I didn't want to get into divvying this cash up in a, in any kind of a funny manner. So I I paid every division the same amount. Now to put focus on our all age horse program, which is basically what I'm saying when I'm saying we're going to cater to the 99 percent. That's going to be done with money, and so I think you can look at the 12 rope and and the 10 and a half rope in this year there in Guthrie and expect that those things will pay somewhere in the vicinity of five to $600,000 each on a $500 entry fee. Now we will have uh, paternity incentives in those and get, let them have a third entry like the, pro, the, the professionals do on a paternity horse and they will be able to double dip also. But the lion's share of that money is gonna be in the all age. 
Gotcha. And you change the lower end too, right? What is the rule for the for the ten? The maturity incentive in the twelve and a half is uh, for ropers riding a five and younger horse, and the maturity incentive in the ten and a half is for six and lower. It was such a cool atmosphere in Guthrie this last year. Everybody was so excited to be there, and I'm, I'm just excited for it already this year. What do we have? How, how far out are you? About six, seven months. Man. <laughs> so do you even, like, are you so used to putting on these massive events that six or seven months out, you're just not sweating it at all? Well, I am in a way because the complication of – we ran into it last year with having to track two horses and two ropers in each division. And now with the proxy, I've got to track three horses. And the bookkeeping on that, the software we're trying to develop, um, has got me pretty worried because we're already talking about backup, backup systems that are, that are, you know, paper mail-in type things so that we don't get in trouble. Because it can, it can be very confusing real quick. How much of that, Connie is so talented at so many things, how much of that does Connie stress alongside you? Well, not because she's got her hands full with the, with the, <laughs> the finale and, and, uh, and that, that kind of wraps up about the time we're wrapping up on Riata and she focuses a lot of attention there. She's overseeing a lot of the, uh, assisting us with the software design stuff, but, uh, Right now, preliminarily, we're putting a lot of hope on the fact that these computer programmers can get all the kinks out of their program before we get close. But we will have backup systems. I've always had backup systems. I, I told somebody one time that I had a backup system in 1990. We carried triple carbon copy in a briefcase. <laughs> you, you didn't have a backup system for oh. leaving a briefcase on the... No, no, hotel steps, no but, but I had all, I had that triple carbon copy was in that briefcase also. So in case electricity went out, we still had a way to put the event on. Oh man, I will be hiding from Kenna and everybody else in the office if they're doing all that by hand. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, we're going to absolutely make sure that this year it's done a month in advance. Uh, prior entry, pre-entry is going to be the only way we're going to roll with it because it's just too complicated. Last year, we uh, were taking those changes up to the day before because it was the first year and they didn't know what they were getting into. But we will not do that this year. If they're not pre-entered a month in advance, they're probably not going to get in. If uh, the first year at the finale, how, when did you guys cut off entries? Were you taking entries the right, day before? Right up until the day before. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, tell me what other stories we have. One day we're going to have like all the old stories. All, you can't. It the... would take days and months to do that. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to be able to retire yeah. before we can write your story. <laughs> That's funny. I'll say this. You know, you're, you made the comment about. Lazy is a special place to us because that was where we made our bones, and and mm -hmm. they were very proud of it. Lazy always would come out and say that we were put them on the map because we were the first major program that they ever had and everything. And 
So going back in there last year was kind of deja vu for me a little bit. And uh, of course, they've got new employees that haven't been there going back as far as we have. And and uh, I was standing there at the guy and I said, we had an impact on this arena. And he said, in what regard? And I said, well, you see those two great big fans right there over the glass doors on the, on the box end? And he said, yeah. He said, well, I said, we caused that to happen. He said, well, how did that happen? And I said, well, there were no, we did, had not invented rotations yet. So when we had put on those big U.S. finals ropings, we had 900 horses tied down those fences, and they stayed in there from 8 a.m. till around midnight every night. And then we would go in and put uh, lime, spread lime all over the place and change all of the shavings out to try to keep it where the, uh, the, the smell was not so bad. That you, the ammonia was so bad you couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. So when we came back the second year, Ed Gaylord had put those big fans in to suck the ammonia off that deal. So I don't think they ever use those anymore. But when I see those fans, it reminds me what it was like before rotations. The other, the other one that the lazy that, that's, that's really a deal was, is they used to have that pay phone that was horse height there on a concrete post. And it was such a novelty. And can you imagine anyone using a pay phone nowadays? It's still there. We sometimes take pictures with it. Like somebody will be right by and, and take an old school picture with it. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool discussion point one time, but that went away too. I mean, it's <laughs> basically it's a relic now. It is absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Denny. I appreciate it. We covered a lot of ground in thirty minutes. Good. Well, thank Bye. you for the interview, and I appreciate you checking in on me. All and, right. Uh, well, yeah. if you roll out anything else that's going to make change the industry just keep us on the radar make sure you let us know we will thank you thanks so much today's episode is brought to you by adm adm's forage first glow feeds are ultra premium feeds for your equine partner each bag includes grow strong minerals inside tracked which is a unique supplement to optimize hind gut health, eutric acid, omega flax, and natural source vitamin E, allowing you to feed the best. Learn more at admequine.com.